0: Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, in Luke twenty four, verse twenty five, the Bible says. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to help them understand the scripture. So we ask that in the name of Jesus, every mind connected to this service right now, or that will yet be connected at a later time, that they are open in the name of Jesus. And we all have full understanding of the scripture in the mighty name of Jesus we have prayed. Welcome again, everyone. We're still in our journey of the book of Acts. Before I proceed, if you are joining us for the very first time, this is God's favorite house, and we welcome you. This is our midweek worship experience. We've been going through the book of Acts for a while, and now we're in part 12, but we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 25. The text there will be read in NIV version. Um, again, housekeeping before going ahead. Thank you to Papi and all the teachers that have taken us from Chapter 1 till date. It's been a very exciting journey. Lots to learn, lots to ruminate upon. Um, thanks to Pastor Moralake last last week for the 60 verses. Because we're going to be continuing from where we left Thrive last week. Remember that um, chapter seven ended in a very dramatic way. From about verses 51 to 60, it was just pure, you know what social media would call what (laughs) I Stephen was blunt and had made some comparisons about the current action of the Council of um, Priests of Elders. It was contrasting, comparing and contrasting it to what their ancestors had done, you know, which made them, he was telling them the truth, but they were very upset about it. Initially, they were managing to be in control. Then he added, he must have added what they would consider insult to injury when he looked up to heaven. And he was saying that, number one, he could see Jesus, was still showing that Jesus had a place of honor, all the things that they didn't want to hear confirming what Jesus had said before he left. These leaders then lost all control, abandoned the protocol of, you know, a um, trial, and just simply dragged Stephen out to stone him to, to death. Pure violence. Um, so as a stone him to death, still verse 7 recap, the Bible introduces us to a young man called Saul, who was a very willing accessory to murder, and he as he kept the quote of everybody killing someone else, with pleasure. So let's go straight into the scripture now. Um, Reading Acts one to 25. So Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. I'm reading from NIV. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. I just had a glance at the time. And I think that perhaps um, we should take this in in sections so that I can share observations as we go along so we won't have to read the scripture twice. Verse 1, the Bible says, what a great wave of persecution began that day. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. All the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. If we stay there for a while, there is a lot that we can share with ourselves. This is Thrive. You can ask questions at any time. Just drop it in the whatever social media you are on. Um, you can share your observations, and because it's supposed to be interactive as best as we can, so that we can all learn, you know, at the feet of Jesus. So the first thing I wanted to share was that um, the Bible describes it as that day a great wave of persecution beginning that day there will always be what will be described as that day for every believer it's really ton by ton you know before now the from acts one to i would say six was five six was where the the drama started before then we heard about the believers was that they were doing life together, eating from house to house, shipping from house to house, growing, everybody liked them. People were added to them daily as they should be saved. They were selling their things and sharing their things. Then we start seeing some issues that, you know, climaxed at Stephen being lynched. Then the very next day, the persecution happened. It started. For everyone that is watching um, TV and current affairs and what is happening now, we can see people that have been um, that are going through issues in their country. I'm, you know, I'm 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 being very subtle here. And we can see what it means to have to get up overnight and leave everything you have behind. Now that is not a well, it's a different kind of persecution, but in this place, these believers suddenly had to move and go into other regions we'll talk a little bit more about that but the point the first point here is all all of us will have that one day it might not be this kind of persecution but we all should be prepared for that one day that we have to take a stand for our faith and for our god still on verse one All the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Did you notice that it wasn't as if they met the night before, at least the Bible doesn't say so. It wasn't as if the apostles brought them together the night before and gave them advance notice. You know they didn't have advance notice to graduate from ncr or workers training or you know there was no pastor or minister or life group leader that was going with them because they were scattered to help them administer holy communion etc what am I trying to say all those things that we think that other people are the ones that should know how to do it and we shouldn't bother how to do those things because somebody is always doing it for us, that one day will come that you will be by yourself for some reason. It might be, it it necessarily doesn't have to be persecution. It might be good news. Maybe you relocate. And suddenly you have to start standing in your faith by yourself. Whether you like it or not, there's gonna be a day that you'll be the captain of your own spiritual growth. And this is what happened to these believers in eight um eight one. they didn't they went well, I guess every day they were coming to church they were being prepared for it, but they did not know it was going to show up this way. One minute, think through, think through yourself. what is it that I should pay more attention to? because there's a particular tribe in Nigeria that said they have a proverb that translates something like. It is what a bird eats that is available to it in flight. Who is that bird? You and I. What is that food? Things that we're being taught at devotion on Monday, fresh fire every day of the week, thrive on Wednesdays, Sunday service, two services, then there's life group in between. These things that we're being taught are going to have to be practicalized someday. And on that one day, like this Christians, like these believers, just like you and I, they had to go on their own, dispersed in different places, without their life group leader, without their pastor minister. And guess what? In their homes for their families, they will have to start learning to lead fellowship, lead prayer, you know, do holy communion, preach to other people. You get the picture. So by the grace of God, you and I will be ready for our one day that we'll have to stand on our own feet. Hopefully, we would have eaten enough um, and we would have paid attention to what we're being fed with so that we can stand up and go for Christ. We're still in um, verse 1. Did we notice that um, where all these believers were dispersed into? Remember in Acts chapter 1, Verse eight, when Jesus, and I'm going to quote Jesus now, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, that's where they live, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm sure I wasn't there, but when these believers heard what Jesus had said, that they were going to be, you know, the good news was going to be preached in all these places. I don't really think, apart from the apostles, who obviously knew that that was their will. But the everyday believers that don't have any um, responsibility, well, apostles and deacons, they probably would have thought, I'm sure it's the apostle that is going to do that preaching into those places. I don't think they would have thought they would be the vehicle that will carry scripture, because I'm sure they were very comfortable where they were, were busy doing life together and enjoying and growing and the people in jerusalem anyway why would they think that they would need to be sent out but god's word is very precise very specific and when it happens when it comes comes to pass it comes to pass with that specificity so for me, what ministered to me about this is God is very specific. He's not random. He just doesn't say stuff. So, if there is stuff that has been said to you directly, has been said to you by a word of knowledge, has been said to you in the scripture, if it is Jesus' words, it is it's going to come to pass. Whether you think that you're going to be that one, that person preaching in Samaria or Judea, has happened to these people. Or you think that you're going to be that mother of nations, whatever it is that God has said to you that you will be, whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen like God said, like Jesus said, it's going to happen. And that for me is comforting because it's something for me to hold on to all the promises I have and say, God is specific. he just doesn't say random things. He said it, it's going to happen that way. Um... So praise the Lord. And the other thing that, um, I, that came to my mind at that point in time was the, the geography, how it's how, well, you know, in chapter one, when Pastor was teaching us, he was t- he thought it started with um sort of, I will call it geography, how they were situated so we will understand how everything would um, pan out, what Jesus was saying, which is really good for me because it gave me a visual of um, the scripture we're reading about, thanks Papi. I think I'll hold this point and and say it later because it's going to come up again later. So bear with me. Um, Now let's move together to verse two. So verse two starts with, the Bible saying some devout men, Chapter 8, verse 2. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. What devout men? Who were they? Who doesn't really mention? And Papi, you had somewhere there online. This is going to be my first question for you because I've been waiting to ask you this question But verse one says, all believers apart apart from the apostles were dispersed through Samaria, Judea, ETC. Could it then be, I doubt that it really could have been the belief, because those ones had been dispersed. I don't know, Papi will correct me when he gets here. In any case, whoever those men were, these devout men, they were brave because in that way, it was a difficult thing to do for them. They were believers. Then they were putting their life in pure danger because they were being thrown into jail by Saul. We will find that out in the next verse we're going to. So it was dangerous for them. Um, Their lives were at risk. And yet they went to the site of the murder. They carried Stephen's body to give him and his family dignity. They went and they buried him mourning. It wasn't, they didn't hide to do it. Now, if they were not believers, so let's look at the other other, um, side of the story. They were not believers. It meant that they had to be Jewish. And this also was just as dangerous because their leaders had just killed someone. well, they killed Stephen. So it couldn't have been easy for these devout men. The Bible doesn't mention their name, but there's a lot that we can learn from them. There are lots of questions that I have, and I'm you know, i gonna share with you. Can I be counted to be like those devout men? Maybe it won't really be like Stephen being stoned to death or something like that, but can I be counted on to stick out my neck for some, something that puts my life at risk? for the kingdom, will I? Will you? The second thing that came to my mind is what kind of man was Stephen that people put their lives on risk, at risk to give him a decent burial, to give him and his family dignity? Even if we consider it that, oh, these people did it for the gospel, they did it for Jesus. At least there was 1%, There might might have been 1% part of all that decision that had to do with the person himself. Am I living the kind of life that people will put their lives at risk for me? Are you? When a community of people, are we living our lives? that People will, instead of running again, I want you to put all that scene we're seeing on CNN, where people are running for their lives with their bags and, and stuff like that. Take that scenario. And imagine someone saying, instead of escaping, I want to go and um, well, it's not that dramatic, but it must have just been it must have been scary for the the believers as well. Why would someone put their lives at risk for you? Ask yourself that question. I'm asking myself the same. So we move to verse three, and I hope we have questions um, for 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 us. Um, verse two the Bible says, Saul was going everywhere, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. It went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them in prison. No one was involved. or woman. the punishment was equal. I'm going to be quite cheeky here, and say to believers that still think that women should not be heard preaching or teaching in church, that from when persecution happened uh, the punishment was equal, and will probably be equal when the next one happens. It's a joke, nobody should take offense from this, but it was just important that scripture just points out that whether they were men, male or female, Paul was dragging them out to give them the same kind of punishment, encouragement for everyone here female, gender, whatever, you know, some allies of female gender, you have, you know that you've been at GFH for a very long time, you will understand that we don't see gender here. That's how Papi has trained, where all we have the spirit of God um, and God can use anyone, male, female, young, old, to do his work. May we be available for that work in Jesus' mighty name. Going quickly to verse four, Verse 4 says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. There is a quote that I'm going to ask them to put up here because that quote was, it's not from the Bible, but it was very, very apt to describe what was happening here. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. It's from a Greek poet and he's supposed to have written this somewhere in 1978 or so, he said, they thought they could bury us, they tried to bury us, they did not know that we were seeds, they tried to bury us, they did not know that we were seeds, and this is so, so true, because the more they tried to stop the gospel, the faster it spread, and it's... Let's go back, let's take a flashback to what Gamaliel had said, in, I think it was in chapter five, when chapter 5, 35 to 39, You know, he had told them, let's pick it up from the um, scripture. Gamaliel said in chapter five, so my advice is, CMM doesn't have that, but I'll quickly read it. So my advice is leave this man alone, let them go. They are planning and doing these things merely on their own. It will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. The more they try to bury the message of, of the gospel, the more the seeds multiplied. Now, they were not only dealing with the good news spreading in Jerusalem, because of their action, it actually forced it out in Jerusalem. Fulfilling what Jesus wanted, just opposite to what they wanted. Burying them in their heads, but actually burying seeds that will grow more. You know, that's why we're here today. Praise the Lord. Verse 5, and we have to, I have to pick up pace here. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years. Amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Verse 10. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke to him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. Four things, you know, came to mind from these verses. And I'll tell them quickly. You know, we've mentioned this already in chapter six. Pastor Suti said it. Pastor Moranake also said it. Philip and Stephen were Dickens commissioned for administrative duty. You know, so there is evidence here that regardless, everyone, regardless of what department you are, is a minister. Where all ministers. Minister everyone that is logged on right now. The, the second thing that came to mind is that if you read verse 6 alone, and you don't read it with verses 9 to 10, one would believe, and again, I'm waiting for the question and answer time, because I have loads of questions for Pakistan. today. Um, one will believe that the Samaritans have been looking forward to receiving the good news, so that when Stephen brought it, it resonated with them. But when you get to read, when you get to verses nine to 11, and you read their reaction to Simon, it looks like initially it encountered Philip. They might just have been reacting to him like they were reacting to a reigning champion. I stand, of course, to be corrected. Because for many years, they had treated Simon, it looks as if they treated Simon, similar to the way they treated Philip. Even though Philip was operating by the power of God and Simon was a magic share. What am I trying to say? In my opinion, the world is desperate for a message and the des- demonstration of power. Some people don't care where that power is coming from. That's the only reason why they would have been excited about Simon. And this is because again, we have a quote here, this time by Blaise Pascal, that says, I've seen this, Papi has used this um before. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, which cannot be filled by any any creator thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. There's a hunger, there's a hunger in everyone God has created hunger is deep-seated and it's for something that some people are not able to identify you know for people that know jesus and have the indwelling of the holy spirit you might not recognize this but for a lot of people that are working that are that are meeting every day there is a huge vacuum in them and this vacuum will be filled by something like simon we don't fill it by the gospel or by the power of the holy spirit which is why it's extremely important to talk about Jesus, which is extremely important to evangelize evangelize. Um, think about it. All Samaria would have known was Simon the sorcerer if Philip had not gone there to talk about Jesus. That's all they would have known. It was when Philip got there because of the persecution that they found out about a higher power, the only true God, and they Found God, so the world needs a message. Let that message be Jesus. The third thing I want to point out here, as I look at the times, that you will notice that when I was talking initially, I used when I was talking earlier, I used the word initially. Um, when I was saying, it looks as if the Samaritan Samaritans initially reacted to Philip the same way. They had reacted to Simon, and i'm emphasizing the word initially because we all know that power past power like they say aurora pass aurora at this point in time if we have people that are joining us from outside the the country and we know we have people joining us from outside the country and there's something i say that you don't have context for it's not culturally um, contextual for you please just drop a question, and um, we'll, be, we'll be happy to describe it to you. The one I said, Oru, Paso, or, 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 I was just talking about anointing oil. Um, even though the Samaritans initially responded to Philip and Simon in the same way, their results were world apart, and there's no equivalency in the underlying path. For, for instance, I don't know if Simon the sorcerer was able to temporarily pretend that he could heal. I don't know, the Bible doesn't say so. The Bible would have said so, I think, if he had been able to perform any healing. The Bible just said he astounded them with magic. But in any case, it, still on this point, I'm trying to prove that power has power. If he was able to pretend to heal, for sure it was impossible for him to cast out evil spirits. Because of what Jesus said in Luke 11, I think 14 to 23, that story over there. So, even though initially, when a message came to them, they thought, oh, maybe this is like, you know, it's a little bit better than what we have been hearing from Simon the sorcerer. But by the time that the power of God was fully demonstrated, they knew without a a doubt that there is only one true God. Hallelujah. Amen. The fourth thing I wanted to point out there is what we find in verse 8. Verse 8 says, and there was great joy in the city. Hallelujah. The end result of the gospel being taken to a region or a people or a person is that great joy will be found in that city, in that region, and in the life of that person. That is encouragement for us to evangelize, amen. Um, we're now in verse 12, verse 12. But now, the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went and he was amazed by the signs and miracles Philip performed. Right here, um, the thought of my mind here was to mention the impact of the demonstration of the power of, of God in the life of every believer. Verse 12 starts with saying, and, but now, the people believed Philip's message. Let's hold that. And go into, um, quickly, the story in Acts 13, you don't need to put it on the screen, I'll quickly read it. verse 13, this was Paul and Elimas, think verse 12. Verse 12 said, then proconsul." When he saw this happen, believed, he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. What am I trying to say here? What are we trying to say here? It looks as if there's something about the demonstration of God's power. And I'm saying it based on these two Bible verses that we've read, because these two Bible verses say clearly that after the power of God has been demonstrated, you see the scripture saying, and now, but now. As if it was contingent upon what had happened before. So it looked as if it looks to me as if that maybe one of the reasons why some of the people that we've exposed Jesus to, the gospel of God to, and haven't accepted, maybe haven't accepted it because all of us are not living in the in the life that Jesus says in. Mark, I think, 17, verse 18. Maybe it's because we're not carrying the power and demonstrating this power that Jesus has already given to us. Maybe, this is a question, do you think that if we all lived the life of Mark seventeen, eighteen, more people will be following Jesus exclusively today? Maybe, I think so. No, I'm not expecting every, I'm not saying that it's reasonable that every believer will every day of their lives uh, um, go around performing miracles and casting out demons and healing the sick. You know, miracles are miracles because God is suspending the nature of, um, suspending something, protocols, nature, etc. to make something different happen. So it's not something that probably would happen every day However, having said that, I believe that healing the sick, casting out demons is power available to every believer. And when we walk in the reality of this power, there's a potential to bring more people to Christ, for people to believe more in the God that we serve. So take that and do with it what you may think about it. Of course, and I think we'll stop here. We're not halfway done, but we've got, we we have um, spent significant time. But uh, I, I just want to stop here, unless I'm given permission to to proceed. That of course we need to think of the motivation behind why we want to use the power of God, and if we get to the later verses here, we will see why that motivation is extremely. Um important. I want to pause here to see if there are any questions. And to see if I have um permission to, to take a few more verses because it's absolutely fascinating. The book of Acts, eight, the whole book of Acts is absolutely fascinating. Okay, so we we'll go ahead. Um verse 13. Verse 13 proves the points that we made earlier. Power past power. Let's go to verse 13 quickly. When we're we're um making progress in in Jesus' name, but it's important, there's so much to learn here. Verse 13 said "Then Simon then believed and was baptized, he began following philip wherever he went and was amazed by the signs and great miracles philip performed power definitely passed power the person the magician himself that was calling himself the great power of god when he met the real power of god bowed down question is what was his motivation because when we get to chapter 16 we're going to see we're going to meet with another scenario, and it will make us doubt the motivation of Simon. Again, Papi, this is a question I, uh, I have lined up um, for you when it comes to the question and answer session. What was Simon's motivation? Chapter 16 sheds more light into it, but it's something that we need to think through when we think of the power of God. I wanting to demonstrate the power of God. Why? Why are we doing that? Okay, verse 14, apostles in Jerusalem heard. The people of Samaria had accepted God's message. They sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for those, these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them for they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and Paul laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people. He offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to God. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and you are held captive by sin. Verse 24, Simon says, pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed. For these terrible things you've said, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. Verse 25, which is where we stop today. Um After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. Some observations here um, that we'll just quickly join together. First is an encouragement for believers that have either been only been baptized by water but not baptized by the Holy Spirit or haven't even been baptized by the water of the Holy Spirit think it's spooky, you're like, why? Wow, I don't want to lose control, you know, I think you're making it up. God is not like that, you know, I have my head has to be active at all times. Verses 15 to 16 shows how important it was. When the apostles were sent for Jer- from Jerusalem to Samaria, the very first action they did was to minister the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It definitely is a valuable um, gift to every believer And it is something that is democratic. Every believer that wants it will get it. It shows us here in verse 17, because it states that apostles laid their hands on them and the new converts received, not some of them, the new converts, period, received. So if you desire this gift and you should desire, it's available to you. And there are many, um, the pastors in service today that are able to administer it, and if not now, at any other time, please. It's important. It's the best thing the apostles did. Verse 18 is where we will bring up the matter of motivation. Remember, we left motivation behind. It's here. Did Simon really believe, or was he more motivated by the miraculous? Did he see that as a way to make more money? The Bible says he offered money. Do you offer money for things that you don't want to make more money from? If we say, okay, we're playing the role of an advocate and we'll say that, oh, he was being zealous uh, and that's why he wanted the spirit of God. You know, that's why he really wanted because he became excited about that. Then he was being zealous for real kingdom purposes. Why did he not ask for the gift of evangelism? And it was the gift of laying of spirit. The one that he felt that was very um, sensational and could help his former career. It's easy for us to talk about Simon the sorcerer because the Bible lays his whole story in scripture. Our story might not be written down. So we might have some bit of privacy, but you know your own motivation. I know my own motivation. Why do you want to be in that department? What's the real reason? And I'm not picking a department here. You know, I love you. Why do you want to be an usher or in true worshipers or um, first start all the visible teams? Why do you really want to be there? Only you and the Holy Spirit, who knows your heart, can answer that question. There's nothing wrong with being there. I just use that to pick up an example of how we should guard our hearts, even when it comes to motivation. Why why, um, why are you giving that gift? So let me quickly move away from anything that has to do with church before I offend anyone this evening. Um, Why are you giving that gift? Are you giving that gift because the Holy Spirit said you should or you know that that's your duty as a believer because of the commonwealth or you are giving it because a part of you wants people to love you? Are you using it to buy friendships and look cool? and look like the benevolent person, check your heart because it's easy for us to talk about George Simon's case. I have to check my heart. You have to check your heart because motivation matters 100% with God. We cannot hide. Now, verse 24, I'm skipping some parts. Verse 24, let me not lie. Verse 24 confused me. And well, maybe not confused me, but verse 24, I spent a lot of time there because I really didn't expect this reaction from Simon, which means, Papi, this is yet another question for you. I didn't, when I read that, I wasn't really sure if it was sincere or not. And the reason for that is because the story of Pharaoh, I've always wondered what life would have been like if Pharaoh had repented genuinely or he had asked for God to help him because we know that when you ask God for help, he helps. You know, so when Simon was say, telling the disciples, pray for me so these terrible things will not happen because the Bible doesn't tell us what happened to Simon after this. Even though there's some publications that, you know, wrote about him after not the Bible, I'm not sure whether I was sincere or not. I'm I'm leaning more to the fact that he wasn't sincere. You know, I don't know, but that's the question I'm going to ask Papi. And if you know the answer, write it in the comment section. And at this time, we have to stop to answer the questions you may have or give Papi an opportunity to answer the questions I have. we thank God for the reading and the hearing of His of His word. Questions. Hello. Hola. Hi.
1: Hola. Good evening, and well done. Welcome, Papi. Awesome. Awesome. I wish there was more time to. <laughs> <laughs> He did yes, well.
0: There lots of questions have for you, Papi. I've been waiting for you patiently.
1: I had. <laughs> God will help us.
0: <laughs> so let's start from the last one whilst we wait for questions to come on. Um come through. Okay. Simon's motivation. Let's start from when he begged, he asked them to pray for him because those things were really horrible. True, true. <laughs> did he mean it? <laughs> Did you see a true conversion there
1: or not? Okay, well, um, I think that from the onset, I think he was, he may have been converted, you know. And, um, and that's the challenge when you, when folks are converted and they don't take the time to grow before they want to, to manifest the power of the Holy Spirit you know, the challenge of someone like Simon was that it was very active where he was. You know, when he came to God, and he saw that, like you said, ah, this is superior power. You know, please let me have some now. Simon, coming from where he came from, <laughs> knows that there's a price for everything. He knows mm. that he knows that there is a price. I mean, nobody operates on this level without paying a price. I am willing to pay the the only price he knew to pay was, you know, yeah, was financial. So, yes, I mean, it's also a lesson to us that, you know, to, to show us that the people of the world, they know that there's a price to pay, you know. And, um, of course, um, he can't buy um, the gifts of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit with any financial um, prize. Uh, no, 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 no. It can't. It's, it's a gift of God. Somebody already paid for it. His name is Jesus. Whatever price we are paid is aligning with Him. It's, it's aligning with the person that has already, you know, uh, paid the price. So on on the subsequent one, if he. Yes. When um, they said that, you know, your money perished with you, and they said those hard things to him, and the guy was like, oh, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) I don't mean it like that, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you pray that these things will not happen to me? Pray to the Lord. So in that statement, he acknowledged the Lordship of of Jesus. Mm. In that statement, he acknowledged the Lordship of Jesus. And and. You know, no one can call him Lord except by the Holy Spirit, you know. So I I want to believe that he was saved, but he needed to be guided, you know. And and it's better to have him um, do a U-turn, even if it's Mm. because of the consequences of, you know, and not necessarily because of, Yes, his intentions were good. He just didn't want the trouble, so he says, "Pray to God that I will get trouble." <laughs> I don't think. I, I don't think it's wise. bad.
0: Mm-hmm. At least it was wise. There's stuff yes, wise, that yeah. we can. At least two things you said now that we can learn from him, no matter how um, he comes across. And his name Simon the sorcerer. There's still what we can. We can learn from him, thanks Papi, that, that helped me and, I, and I'm sure it helped other people here. But this wasn't a planned question from what you said because I really didn't believe him. So there's a little bit of Georgina in me. There must be, because I didn't, I really didn't. I'm like, hmm, I was giving, I was giving him side eye. Um, my question is, was Peter a bit too harsh from the perspective of, this is a new believer now. This guy, he had just received Christ. He was coming from something, having unlearned you know, some behavior.
1: You see, that's usually um a challenge. Um when I can't say Peter was too harsh because I've been <laughs> in a Peter kind of situation when I I am Peter was in the spirit, if you will. He was mm. he was in the razor mode, you know. Yeah. So he, 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 You could say he was harsh, but I wouldn't say he was because I know that mood. You know, <laughs> there's a song my grandmother used to sing. Um, you will interpret the song, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. It, it says, <speaking> Yeah, interpret that.
0: I um, fight in the spirit. I fight
1: in the spiritual fight script. Um,
0: when I'm under the anointing, they think I'm harsh with speech.
1: <laughs> no, I'm really not harsh. Um, I'm really
0: not wicked. But I'm operating... Um, by the
1: spirit. Absolutely, so, so so I can't, you know, because at that point, that is what must be said, you know, and there was, I think it was Felix that was, that Paul said, be blind for a season. At that point, that was what needed to be said, and he was blind, you know, so when we look at it retrospectively. We have the benefit of we are not on the spot. We the things at stake. We you know the things at stake at the time was the integrity of the gospel. So you you know we are not faced with those realities. You know and so I I I I wouldn't of course if we had the capacity to um, handle it differently because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You know. You know, just like someone would say to me, the, uh, Elisha Elisha um, called out bears to eat the children, mm. you know? Is that right? Is that right for Elisha to do, you know? And my response is, I don't know if it is right, but I don't want to be one of those children. <laughs> I don't, I
0: don't know if that feel, helps. Yeah. It, it does. It does. Um, and so because I'm going to see Bros Peter one day, please. Oh, yes. oh Peter. Mm, okay. I wasn't judging you, Apostle Peter. Um, the next question um, is about the devout men. The ones that came to bury Stephen. Were they believers or were they Jewish? Who were they? And why doesn't the Bible give us details concerning <laughs> this man?
1: Okay, so we just try and use scriptures to interpret scriptures and not go outside of scriptures. So yeah. um, I I would say that based on the, the lingo of Luke, if you study the book of Luke. Luke is very clear. If they were believers, Luke would have said some believers came. And if we also check consistently, you know, when he when he used the first, even in Book of Acts, the first time he used it, you know, I think in Acts chapter two. If we check Acts Acts chapter two, um, verse five when he talked about the people that were in Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost, he says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, devout men, devout Jews. So they were not Christian, but they were God-fearing. They had, yeah, they were God-fearing. So it also shows that God recognizes people that though they are not saved, they have the fear of God. You know, and so these were people that were devout in another translation in another um I don't, know, I don't know the chapter now when Luke was saying they were devout um to the law they were they were devoted to the law. that's how it described them, you know so so obviously they were bystanders that saw what happened, did not agree with what happened. Felt what happened was ungodly and felt the honorable thing to do was to give him a decent burial. So um, that's as far as we can say.
0: <laughs> well, but, you know, it even makes it even more impactful because these were not believers. Um, and so they were, they were Jewish. It meant that they were going against their own people. To give um, Stephen a, it was already a big deal what they did. What is even a bigger deal now that we're clear that it wasn't the believers; it was Jewish. Well, his Jewish brothers, because ultimately they are brothers, but still Jewish, um, nonetheless. Are there any questions coming from um, the social media ch- um, channels? Otherwise, um, we'll we'll go ahead.
1: Okay. But you, while we're waiting for that, you did say something about um, the intention of Simon as regards the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Did you want us to talk about yes. that? Yes. Okay, yes. And, that and that there's question in the main auditorium, but would we'll, when we talk about this, to we'll take the question in the main auditorium. Um, Okay, so how would you phrase of the, that question?
0: So I will phrase this as motivation um, and why we need to check ourselves because sometimes we're doing the right thing. But the underlying motivation or one of the motivation, it might be it might be conflicting motivation, because sometimes they're doing something for more than one reason, you know, but at least one of the underlying motivation is actually when you think about it not i don't use the word pure but not <laughs> when i use the word pure i'm using it as a slang you know it's not right um, because it's for another reason it's for self aggrandizement or yeah that word it's really not for god sometimes we don't know it because we're doing the right thing right, and we're being affirmed for doing the right thing, so we think that we're doing it for the right motivations. If we don't catch ourselves um, to check why, so I guess it is about its motivation. What do you think its motivation was? At that time, his motivation
1: wasn't wasn't um, wasn't pure. I mean, I, either in the slang pure or in the real pure he's <laughs> <Pure. laughs> not <also> pure. <laughs> you know, because he 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 is not he hasn't been discipled. Even if you look at
0: yeah.
1: Saul of of Tarsus, when he gave his life to Jesus, he was in Arabia for three years or three months or some period, just studying scriptures, just being just, you know, and of course a lot of them, a lot of that discipline was done by the Holy Spirit, but he was there, in. he had that period, where he says that he confided, he did not confide with flesh and blood, you know in flesh and blood and all that stuff, yeah, so his motivation was, was an issue, and we all need to check our motivation what, why do you want the power of the Holy Spirit, why do you want to be anointed, why do you want you know, why do you want your husband to be anointed? You know, some people just want their husband to be anointed so that the, the husband took a start, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, so why why do you want, you know, so motivation is, is key. So again, the fact that you have a wrong motivation does not mean you should abandon the course, you know. Uh-huh. Yes. So many times, I mean, when God reveals our motivation and shows us that they are wrong, we feel um, at best, I don't want to say condemned, we feel, you know, chastised and we drop the mission. So what should happen is we should realign it. We we, we should, we should, we should change. You can change your motivation. Okay, this is why... It may not at the beginning, it may not be the real reason, but if you keep praying and focusing on it, it becomes, you know. James and John came to the to Jesus with their mother and says, Oh, let's let us sit on the right side and on the right and on the left side. You know, and Jesus says, wrong motivation. In fact, it's not even up to me. It's up to God. What did they say? Can you when Jesus says, Can you drink the cup? You know, they said we will drink it. And <laughs> And they drank it you know and they got the, in the price of drinking the cup, their motivation was purified it became pure and they, and they got it yeah
0: okay thank you thank you for that and for the answering what would have been my follow-on question so you've answered it um thanks I said something contentious earlier little, maybe not so contentious but I'm, I'm like the reason why some people it could be is a hypothesis to be tested. That the reason why some people have heard about God but have not fully committed to God is, the, is because um, we are a lot of believers are not leaving the Mark seventeen eighteen kind of, in my name you will cast out, you will. So we, we, we speaker included, you know, so we, we know God, we love God, we're trying our best to serve him. We know that this power is available to us, but because we're not living in that power on a daily basis, which we should, um, not expecting miracles to happen every day, I think is the reason why some people see and they're like, how are you different from that other religion? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that contentious? I think I have been. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think
1: you're right. You know, I think you are right. And I I also think that um, while we have to live a life that is demonstrative of the power of the Holy Spirit because we have a living God, we also um, uh, must realize that it must be the power of the Holy Spirit. So, for instance, you know, there are, quote unquote churches where you know their own demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit is people should bring out their phones and they will begin to get alerts in their bank accounts. You know <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 you know their phones get alerts and they are shouting oh Holy Ghost you know and all that you know and <laughs> so I mean, you're saying, Femi, are you saying that the, that is not the Holy Spirit? Of course not. You know? No, not. Of course it's not. You know, so we, we and we shouldn't be, and um, those kind of places, things can appear to be progressive, you know, going, people are, you know, enjoying, quote unquote, you know. I mean, like, But it doesn't stop us from showing the truth. The classic example, Simon the sorcerer too was doing his own thing. But when Stephen, Uh Philip, Stephen, Stephen entered, Philip, sorry, entered the scene, it it changed. You know? Praise God. Oh,
0: no, no. That's fine, sir. There's a question in the there's a question in the main um auditorium that we're waiting for. But okay. I, I just want this is not such a this isn't a question, it's just something that hit me um when I was reading this. And it was it was the fact that i mean i know that jesus is specific i know that god's word is, is very specific and, and stuff like that but i just find the way the mind of god works very interesting i know i know samaria and Judea were close. where you know the next if you think of geography the next logical thing to happen but at the same time you taught us before about the dynamics between samaria and how they would you know people traveling would go and travel one long distance so that they won't you know pass through and stuff like that, and I'm like, really, that is the next place for this for the gospel to go to uh-huh. really people that you look at it through your human eyes where the probably the least if I think of Jesus at the well and the Samaritan woman, I'm just thinking this way, probably from my human eyes, maybe not the wouldn't have the most receptive, but the way God works, by the time this dispersion happened, the whole of Samaria, because even when the apostles were going back, they were preaching in the villages that were linked on the way back. And it's just so amazing how um, God's mind and his purposes and his plans are so integrated, difficult to guess. And just so profound. Okay. Over to the main auditorium because there's a question coming from there. Uh, Here is my question.
1: My question goes on like this. If you check the rate
0: in which the gospel is being spread as old days by apostles, it's not like that these days. What is happening with the churches? That's my question. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I don't. I haven't had the pleasure of being introduced to you, so I don't know your name, but the first thing I would say to you personally is that our God's favorite house will believe that we are the church and we know that we are the church. There is a big letter C church, but there's a church that is you and I. If the gospel is not being preached at the same rate, the people that were carrying the gospel at that time did not have social media, they didn't have microphones, they don't have all the technology that we have available today. And there were not as many as us. They definitely were not 2 billion. We're not 2 billion believers today. So if the if the um, um, gospel is not being preached, then it's on us. And there's no church that you hold responsible. That church is you and is me. So the question is. What are we doing? What are you doing about taking this forward? Of course, I'm not saying that to absolve the the church. Um, can the big letter C church do more? Yes, but they're doing a whole lot now. And um, when when you look at what is happening and the different innovative ways that the church has morphed, still keeping true to the word of God, but has moved in order to take the gospel out. We have to um, clap for the many, 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 many good churches out there. But of course, there's a lot that we can do, and that's you and I to do it. And we're in a much better place than the apostles were. (laughs) So we should do better. But great question, nonetheless. Any other questions? Okay. Nothing coming from the main auditorium, it seems. And Papi has answered all my own questions, you know. Um, you know, I have no further questions. I mean, I'm very clear. It's crystal clear. Thank you, Papi.
1: Amen. Okay, so thank you, Pastor Asote. And um, thank you, Pastor Ayurami. Well done. Um, amazing, amazing um, teaching. God bless you. And God um, replenish you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So. Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is and shall be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So God's favorite house, who are we? We are limitless all the way. All the way. Amen. God bless you.